Looking to start your own website? The first thing you need is a domain name, and the best place to get one is at GoDaddy.com. With your domain registration, you'll get hosting, a free blog, complete email, and much more. Plus, as a MuggleCast listener, enter code RON, that's R-O-N when you check out, and get your .com domain name for just $7.49 a year. Get your piece of the internet at GoDaddy.com. Hello, this is David Heyman, and I'm the producer of the Harry Potter films, and this is MuggleCast. Because I nearly died from all the sugar in the butterbeer, this is MuggleCast episode 201 for June 23rd, 2010. Welcome to MuggleCast episode 201. It's Micah, Eric, Matt, and I this week. So we got a lot of good feedback about episode 200, which was nice. Erica, er, Eric and Micah's great uh, interview with David Heyman. I Woot. saw him at the theme park uh, the other day, actually. Did you thank him for us? No. <laughs> great. That's, I, you know, still, he was, that's still on the list of things to do then, is to thank him for that interview. He was with his kid, his adorable little daughter. I didn't want to bother him with, with business. Um, but uh, speaking of the Wizarding World, of course, it had its grand opening, and there's been tons of news. Uh, I've, I was down there visiting it for you all. You're all very welcome. I'm I was sure happy to were. do it for all of you. <laughs> and so we're going to... We're going to talk about everything that happened there between the public grand opening, the VIP grand opening, uh, some visitor reviews, and much more. So let's get started. I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Micah Tannenbaum. I'm Eric Skull. And I'm Matthew Britton. Tannenbaum, what is in the news this week? Well, you mentioned that the theme park is finally open. It's uh, pretty unbelievable Woo-hoo! to think. I know, isn't it? Uh, we got this news, what was it, probably three years ago we started hearing about them planning to, to make this park, and it's gone from concept to final product. Yeah, I think it's been over three years, actually. It was May 30th, 2007, when they made wow. the midnight announcement. From within Leaveson Studios, I remember watching it. It was a live stream. It was Stuart Craig oh, right. and some other Universal guy. And yeah, they announced it, and that was the big announcement. Okay, well, on Wednesday night, uh, I guess it would be June the 16th? That's right. Uh, there was a VIP event, which Andrew was very lucky to be able to attend down in Orlando. And, and this was sort of the, the big event. This this was what everybody was focused in on. Yes, the public opening happened a few days later, but this is where all the stars were going to be. John Williams was there. Uh, Warwick Davis conducted uh, the Frog Choir very well, um, and uh, J.K. Rowling was there. And, and Andrew, as you you had mentioned, we had talked about this. I, I think it was yesterday or over the weekend that anybody who was a part of the Potter series, any big name out of the Potter series was there on Wednesday night. Yeah, and a lot of behind the scenes, primarily. I mean, all the movies, the, some of the bigger movie stars were there, like Dan Radcliffe, Rupert Grint, Tom Felton. Emma Watson was noticeably a- absent, and we saw a couple rumors about why she wasn't there, but I, I, I don't think any of them were very credible. You probably but, had some other commitment. Yeah, but the the highlight I would have to say of the VIP grand opening was not J.K. Rowling because J.K. Rowling actually she was there, but she didn't like go up on stage. She didn't or participate. Say anything. Right. I think the Which highlight was odd. Yeah, you know she wrote I, the damn books. But we know that she's <laughs> yes, somewhat. Matt. Yes, she did. <laughs> she Sorry. likes to keep her appearances on the down low. 
you know, she showed up for the event. Um, I think the highlight was John Williams. Oh, it had to have been. There was, there were rumors that he was going to appear, and sure enough, he did. He conducted the, he, he, uh, led the Orlando Philharmonic, and they played a collection of Harry Potter songs, uh, that he composed. And I was right there at the stage, uh, front row, and it was incredible. I mean, I, I can't even tell you guys how awesome it was. <laughs> Especially the second part, where, um, basically what happened was, John Williams came out, did a song, then some Universal people started talking, then the whole cast came up on stage, and um, prior to this little part of the event starting, Universal had everyone, gave everyone these special wands, and we could tell when they were handed to us that they had these little um, lights at the end, but we couldn't turn them on ourselves. So I was like, okay, hmm, so are they actually going to be, you know, like, turning these on for us? Well, sure enough, we get to this event, Dan Radcliffe tells us all to say, uh, to all, tells us all to point at the castle and say, Lumos. We try two times. Neither of those times work. The third time, we try Lumos Maxima. All of our wands come to life. Somehow they programmed these so they could turn our wands on for us. They light up. Hogwarts lights up, and that's when John Williams starts conducting the uh, orchestra for a second time. And it was this choreographed um, mix of Harry Potter compositions along with the fireworks lighting up behind Hogwarts. It was the most incredible thing I think I've ever seen in um, yeah, doing all this MuggleNet coverage stuff. It was so cool. Yeah, uh, but th- there were also actually some images that were on sort of the base of Hogwarts. I don't know if a lot of people saw that. Was that like a video montage? What what were they doing there? Um, they were very small video. They weren't video clips so much, but it was like Harry moving his head stuff like that. You know, it wasn't like full-on clips from the movies. Um, but I think they would say different little things like, you're a wizard, Harry, and stuff like that. Popular lines. Right. Oh, Those man. were kind of corny, I thought. The the highlight was just seeing John Williams conduct with the fireworks. Like, it was all in sync. It was just beautiful. That dude must have been hot, though. I mean, he's, what, <laughs> in his 80s in a tuxedo <laughs> outside in what ninety degree weather, Mike? Mike, it's John Williams. The guy is never going to die. <laughs> Are you kidding? He's cryogenically <laughs> frozen as we speak. Um, he was just thawing. They brought him out. But yeah, I think that's one thing that the video didn't convey was how hot it was outside. <laughs> well, I was going to save this for later, but I have to say, when you do go to the Wizarding World, bring the lightest clothing possible because the Wizarding World is in the back of Universal Orlando. Uh, the islands of adventure at the islands of adventure so by the time you just get back to the wizarding world you are already drenched in sweat and um so just be ready to be hot and there are a couple lines that you have to wait outside for it is hot 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 i i practically wanted to go naked i was so hot most of the time you almost did. Too bad and no ter- water rides. <laughs> but I gotta say, I feel bad for the wizards and witches and the Durmstrang students and the Bobatin students. They are in full, heavy clothing. Are you And they sure? are drenched and sweat, yes, and because they have to smile and take pictures and look happy when I know they are miserable, these poor people. <laughs> I heard that they made a lot lighter costumes for them, that they're a lot lighter than they actually look. That they're Yeah, but a sweater's a sweater. You cannot, yeah, yeah, I mean, the, the detail that's in this, uh, you trust me, their, sw- their face <laughs> just drenched in right. sweat. And the worst part of it is they have to stand outside waiting for people to take pictures with them and the sun's just beating down on them ah horrible anyway well they're the ones that live in orlando right so so that was the vip grand opening Mm -hmm. and uh like i said jk rowling i she walked right by me i didn't say anything to her mainly because there was this guy right over my shoulder who was taking pictures right in her face with Flash. It was extremely obnoxious. And uh, Neil was there, her husband. Uh, like like I uh, mentioned earlier, um, some other Harry Potter celebrities were there. Uh, Chris Columbus, the director of Sorcerer's Stone and Chamber of Secrets, so it was cool to see him. Lots of behind-the-scenes people. Neil, Neil Blair, uh, J.K. Rowling's, I think that's her lawyer? Or he is the guy behind um, Bloomsbury. Something like that. I can't remember exactly, but he's a big name in Potter behind the scenes. And uh, some other notable names as well. But anyway, so the public grain opening, that was the one where all 
that, that, where everyone could finally get into the park. Whether you, you didn't need anything special, you could go in if you had a ticket to Universal. We found out that 5,000 people waited in line, and we have pictures on MuggleNet of the people who were probably waiting in line since very early in the morning. The amount of people who attended was incredible, and it's a testament to how popular Harry Potter still is, and how many people are truly interested in the theme park. Uh, we heard that there were wait times of up to eight to nine hours, oh which is insane. God. In the heat? And wow. think about waiting, yeah, in, in the heat. humidity. They were letting, I mean, what? These, yeah. These people who were waiting eight to nine hours were the people who got there when the sun was already up and when it was starting to heat up in Orlando, and they have to stand outside waiting to get in yeah, line. I heard they were turning people away even because of the wait times. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, and then when you get in the park, and then when you get in the park, there's a two-hour wait, wait line in to, get into, to get into <laughs> yeah, to get into the three yeah. broomsticks or to get into you know Ollivander's. But not to put down the people who did show up for grand opening because, I mean, you know, that is a great day to be there uh, in terms of all the excitement. And, you know, some people were getting a little upset or aggravated that they were waiting for so long. But I think it was a very special occasion to be there. And I know quite a few of our listeners were there. So, Yeah, also, uh, there was that day in between the the sort of the VIP opening and and the public opening where you got an opportunity to sit down and and speak with or or listen to interview some of the cast and crew right yeah that was a lot of fun that was actually in the three broom six and we uh, interviewed the cast I gotta say through everything the VIP grand opening uh, the interview day on Thursday and a couple other times I was in the park they could not stop giving out free butter butterbeer and first of all the butterbeer is delicious but not only that i think every serving has a lot of sugar because my chest started like tightening up and i started getting really sick from all this freaking butterbeer i was drinking <laughs> and i know wow 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 free butterbeer uh sugar wow but like i don't know it was intense um so i just want to make a couple comments about the theme park first of all forbidden journey incredible ride Eric talked about the queue. That alone is worth it. Well, you what's in the queue? I mean, n- not to spoil too much, but I mean, like... Well, it, you get to see Dumbledore's office, and Dumbledore's in there, and he looks like he's actually there. Um, the def- Defense Against the Dark Arts room, is that it, Eric? Where, where the trio are? Yeah, where the trio are, yeah. Yeah, it looks like the trio are there, and they do little effects but in I, the room. But I think the, the, the standout for me in the queue is the, the Founders of Hogwarts, which I heard is now, you know, properly synchronized and all that, but... In the portrait gallery? Yeah, yeah. And the portraits look like they would be canvas portraits, like oil paintings. They look like it's oil really paintings. It's really impressive. I don't know how they did it. And they're moving. That's the thing. They're moving. Now, now, now do, they, do they, like, you know, coerce with people No, but they talk with each other, and, like, and each one bigger. is on a different wall. Yeah. So you sort of, like, look around the room and watch them talking to each other. It's really cool. Uh, so, and apparently we also heard that uh, the maximum wait time... And that queue is up to five hours. Yeah. So I uh, see. I knew that. I knew when they when we walked through it that it was going to be insane. That they weren't. You know, it was just going to be ridiculous. But is it worth the wait? Yeah. Talk about the ride. Tell me about the ride. Come on. It is. It is worth the wait. I think. How long is the ride? How long did you wait? I'm a VIP, Mike. I, I'm fr- straight to the front. Are you kidding? No, Are you uh, kidding? He was there maybe a minute, but they gave him free butterbeer 30 seconds in. So, <laughs> so After we all helped Dan Radcliffe lit up, light up the castle, everyone went in. So I wasn't waiting too long, but I did wait. I did walk the entire queue. The ride is about four minutes, but I got to say, you know, like you're ready to get off that. And I... Uh, I'm. I get very queasy very easily. Yeah, you that do. That ride takes you in every which direction you can imagine. You lose all sense of which way is up. It throws you around. It's um. It's not too scary. Um. Very high tech. These robotic arms that you ride in are huge. I I stuck my head out to look at the one next to us. It is gigantic. And seriously, you'll be on your back. You'll be facing straight down. You'll be facing straight to the side. It is intense. This is an intense ride. Not like a roller coaster intense, but just in the way it moves you around. Very smooth, but very, um, I don't know, aggressively. Um, very yeah. intense. You're lucky you didn't lose feeling. your head. You stick your head out looking I know. at another arm. I mean, I'm I, yeah, really. I should have been a little more careful about that. But Nearly and, head to, headless Andrew. 
there. Well, what is what? What are you supposed to be in exactly on the ride? Well, you're you're just you're not in anything in particular. You're just you're not like you're on a broomstick or anything. No, no, okay. no, no, no. It's something like that. Um, but basically, it takes you through Harry's life. But it, I gotta be honest, and like the review said, the plot of the ride doesn't make too much sense. But like I commented, like I said on episode 200, in order to cram all this stuff in Harry's world into this four-minute ride, you know, it has to be relatively, you know, they got to cram a lot of stuff in. So, I don't think that's too much of a problem, because it still is a really cool experience. Um, it's just a lot going on. I, I'm still not sure what happened. <laughs> I, I just know... Well, what were some of the standouts, uh, you know, that you liked from the ride itself, some of the events that took there place? There are these giant virtual screens, and between the robotic arm and the giant screens, you feel like you're moving around. Um, you see Harry riding on his broom, and you're sort of riding with him. Uh, so that's cool. You'll see Death Eaters, which pop out. Those are kind of cool. Um, I, you know, I have to ride it again. I only rode it once. It's just so much to process. And I was just trying not to throw up. Were there were there other actors besides the trio, or was it just, and, and Dumbledore, or was it just those? Four? Yeah, you event. Well, I know at the end of the ride, everyone there. You do you do see a lot of the, a lot of people at the end. Um, you see a couple people during the ride, um, but you you will see giant groups of people at the end. I don't want to spoil it too much. Flight of the Hippogriff. That's another ride. Uh, it's sort of a kiddish ride, but I gotta say, it was very smooth. I thought it was gonna be, like, rickety. It's very smooth. It's very short, but it's a very fun little thrill. Great for kids. Great for... Uh, I, I liked it. And and very short wait time. So, you know, you're not gonna wait there for an hour just for a 60-second thing. When I was there during one of the soft openings, it was about five minutes. And there were a good amount of people walking around the park, so... That shouldn't be... What was, uh... Interesting was the interview with Warwick Davis, where he got to ride his first roller coaster ever because he was tall enough to ride this one. <laughs> oh, that was what he yeah. said. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but uh, actually, back to Forbidden Journey. One second. Speaking of like limits and stuff, there is a issue which uh, myself and other webmasters thought is going to be a big problem with the Forbidden Journey ride. There is a limit to uh, there is a weight limit for this thing. And it's mostly based on the size of your gut. Uh, one of the other webmasters, Jeff Guillaume, and he's all public about these. He's writing about it on his site, hpana.com. He has a very large gut, and he was not able to ride Forbidden Journey. And it was a bit of a surprise, because he's not very heavy. He's just It's just all in the gut area. If your gut is too big, you cannot be on this ride. And it's a shame, and... I think a lot of people are going to run into that problem, and they need to add some new uh, robotic arms that can, you know, maybe instead of putting four people on one arm, they put two, so that way it can handle the weight. I guess I, 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 yeah, re I, I think... read his post too, yeah, and 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 it was like, you know, it's it's more of a, I guess, a dimensions thing because weren't they advertising that a football player had been on on the ride or something? Yeah, yeah, a very tall person can do it. It's just like I said, all in that gut area because this 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 thing comes over your head and. Uh, and connects to where your crotch is. And if it doesn't reach all the way down, it's because your gut is in the way, and then you can't ride it. So th it was very surprising, and I think a lot of people are going to run into that problem. So It's a good thing, Andrew, you and I have been going to the exactly. gym. Exactly. Well, he was joking he's going to make a like a fitness team that's going <laughs> to get in shape by like August, and then they're all going to go ride the uh, ride together. But so anyway, Flight of the Hippogriff is good. I did not ride uh, Dragon Challenge because I that's a big roller coaster. The Dueling Dragons, you mean? Dueling Dragons. Yeah. No, isn't it called Dragon Tri Challenge now? Oh, did they change it? Yeah, it was Dueling Dragons. It was, and then it's, yeah, the yeah. name has changed. Right. Same ride, new name. Well, it goes up above uh, Hogsmeade right, now, right. doesn't it? I mean, or you didn't ride it right. Okay. No, but I think you can get some decent views. Uh, but just did you at least walk through the queue and and see all the stuff? I, yeah, I saw some. There? I know, but I saw some pictures, and uh, it looks it's basically set up like the Triwizard Tournament te oh, cool. tents, from what I can tell. Okay, so onto the drinks and food, Butterbeer. It's it like I said, like Eric said, it's it's perfect. I mean, the froth with the with the with the Butterbeer liquid it's itself, just a perfect combination. It's just so delicious. The Hogshead Ale is a new, it's an alcoholic drink. Um, good, but pretty strong. 
I can only handle one. Uh, <laughs> in the three broomsticks, you can get lots of meals, and they're all decently priced. I got the fish and chips. Oh my god, so good! And they're all, they're going for the authentic British food here, and that includes the quality, the taste, and the actual food. So this is legit stuff. It's not cheap, crappy, fattening, greasy theme park food. It's what you would get. If you were in the Wizarding World, or if you were actually in the UK, so let's throw out, let's throw out estimates here, Andrew. How much? Fi- how many fish and chips do you think they sold the first day with with eight thousand people going into the park? Probably. A I lot mean, how of many pounds of food do they keep in that kitchen? That that seems. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I imagine they had to be ready, but uh, I, it's got to be a lot. But it's not just fish and chips. They have many other yeah. meals. That's just the one that yeah. I tried. Uh, one other drink, pumpkin juice. I tried. Very good. It's mainly apple juice, actually. Really? Um, but they they added some they added some uh, real real other uh, another ingredient that is real. It wasn't some you know like fake chemical or something. Um, and th- so that was good. Chocolate frogs, delicious. But they're ten dollars a frog. I mean, it's 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 a good bit of chocolate. Wow. Do they actually jump out of the box for that price? No, but yeah, exactly. But it does come with a wizarding training oh. card, you know, so, and that it's ho- it's like a hologram, so it moves. When Which you one did turn you get, Andrew? Right. I got a Rowena Rowena Ravenclaw. That's awesome. Keep that. That's that's gonna be a keeper. Yeah, I've got about six of her. <laughs> if you go into Honeydukes, they have so many different candies, and they're all unique to the park. And I'm pretty sure most of them are straight out of the books. Uh, you can just go crazy in Honey Dukes alone. A uh, lot of calories, though, and fat, by the way. So, you may want to, you know, just just have little samples. Do they samples. all have nutrition they have facts cho- on them? They, they have, cho- yes, they do. Um, they have they have chocolate wands, which I didn't try, but <laughs> I want I want to try those next time. So that's about it for that. The shops, uh, of course, there's Filch's Emporium that you you can visit. When you, after you ride Forbidden Journey, you can also get a photo of yeah, yourself really on the ride there. I'm really interested. How is that? The Filch's Emporium. Is that different? It's, it's, it's small. It's small. It's crowded. Okay. Because the, the, the promo of that made it seem like the most exciting shop because it well, just seems so vast. You know, I, I thought it was, I wish it was a little bigger. I mean, they have plenty of merchandise in there. It's just very tight and there's going to be so many people in there that it's just like you can't move around well it's, a, um, it's also a confined park i mean they're limited on space yeah but you could they could have added some room for yeah that, it's hogwarts you if, know i mean you could just yeah that, that was one of the things i wanted to ask because I, I have a friend who who is down there who works um you know for nbc and and he had said that the, the one thing that he was so shocked at was how small the park actually is so is that true? I mean, I know it's a part of another park, but did you feel it was kind of s- small? I mean, I know you were there when there wa- wasn't as many people around. I was there on like the VIP grand opening. It was pretty crowded, and I and and um, when they were doing a soft opening on Wednesday, I think it was it was pretty crowded. Um, I think if you go into this knowing it is just a land, it's not a full-on theme park. You know, they keep calling this the Wizarding World of Harry Potter theme park. People have the impression, oh, a theme park, you know, it's going to be like Disneyland or something. I think the I think the size, I was not disappointed by the size. It was just right. And I know that sounds a bit sexual, but I'm talking about the theme park here. It was just right. Wow. Wow. Um, Somebody's in denial Hogsmeade, there. Hogsmeade, a good size, the area outside of Hogwarts is pretty spacious. Um, yeah, what else do they have going on? You know, as you're walking around, the there's park? there's the Frog Choir, there's the Durmstrang and Bobatton. Uh, they do a little dance thing. That's right outside the gates, right? And there's Wizard. At- oh, the other thing, the Hogwarts Express conductor. This guy, there's like three or four of them <laughs> actually, but this guy is the smartest guy. You can have a conversation with him for a solid. You know, I had a conversation with him for a solid half hour about everything Harry Potter. He stays in character, though. That's the thing. So if you take out your iPhone, he'll look at it like it's the the craziest thing he's ever seen in his (laughs) life. And he'll be like, iPhone, why don't they call it a me phone? Blah, 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 blah. And he's just very intelligent. And he knows the books. Like, he will reference stuff. Like, if you ask him a question, he will have an answer for you. So talk to him. He's an attraction in himself, and there's no line. That's awesome. That is really cool. Because that's like, because he's basically like introing you into the world of of Harry Potter. Yeah. 
And there's wizards and witches that will walk around the park and act like couples, and they will be talking to each other about their day. But the the crazy thing is that they're not talking to you. Like, they will just walk by you, and you will overhear their conversation <laughs> about their day at Honeydukes or whatever, or their day at the ministry. Like, it's so weird. That's it was borderline awesome. creepy. Yeah. So that was very cool, too. Gives you a very authentic feel. Did you go up to him? You know what? And ask I was thinking of saying something to him, but I was enjoying just overhearing them. Like, I wouldn't get too close to them either because I was like, are they having a real conversation? Like, are they talking? Yeah, are they just like, really crazy they fans themselves? that think they go to the ministry every morning? You should have ran up to him and started saying, right, like, right, like um, unforgivable curse or something and see what happens. Well, I, yeah. Like, I bet they would. We should try that when we're at Infinitus. Like, I really think... Because I was overhearing just to see if they were talking about, like... If they were talking out of character or they were talking in character. And they were actually talking in character. But, so, that that level of detail was amazing, too. Well, when, Andrew, when yeah. you were in the Three Broomsticks, did you look up and see the twisting ceiling to that? Yeah, yeah. Three Broomstick, and I wanted to mention that, that restaurant is very big, actually. I was pleasantly surprised by that, because I thought everything was going to be cramped, but that was a very nice size. Three Broomsticks and the Hogshead Pub, I mean, you can just chill in there. Air conditioning. I have plans to just chill in the pub. <laughs> yeah, air conditioned, of course. They have a nice back uh, backyard, uh, back uh, patio, too, so um, you guys will be very comfortable in there, unlike uh, other areas. So... um. You know, lots of merchandise. Uh, br- bring, bring plenty of money in your wallet. It is very or plastic expensive. Um, other than the food, the food the food is dis- decently priced. Um, but the merchandise is well, you very. Would, you, expensive. you would just assume that though, too. I mean, it's a theme park. But how expensive? Yeah, but what you are know we what? talking about? Give examples. Well, it's ten dollars for a, a two-inch long chocolate frog. A chocolate frog. <laughs> yeah, I mean. I've been. I was sort of comparing it to Disney prices because I go to Disneyland a lot. It's it, it's actually a little bit more, I think, and I think they're really hoping to bank off of the merchandise alone. I think they already paid so, for the park I on mean, the first day. Like a T-shirt, I think I paid twenty five to twenty eight dollars for. I think it was like twenty eight. Oh, it was just like a women's T-shirt. Oh, that's, that's um, for yourself. That's a nice for your mom. For I know. Your is, sister. Is, is it for you? Uh, or was well, it? the women's shirt was for myself. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I needed something light and small, so I bought that. You bought a women's the shirt. This is yeah. Did you did you buy a women's shirt for your mom too? I mean, yes, I did. Okay. Of course. So uh, that's all I I wanted to touch on. Overall, it was amazing, an amazing uh, grand opening week. I think overall, every all the fans have been very excited. I've seen some interviews with the fans. They are so passionate, so excited for this park, and it's so exciting exciting to see. Uh, do you guys have any questions before we move on from the Wizarding did, did World? They, did they talk about building on to it? Somebody asked that. They said they have no plans right now. I what a, I wouldn't be surprised if like a year from now they start getting some plans underway. What about building another one? In uh, perhaps London. Like maybe in California. You know, I thought about the one in Universal Orlando. I thought that you way. Mean Hollywood. Or Universal Hollywood. But somebody brought up a good point to me. There's like no space around Universal Hollywood, so they really couldn't. Really? Unless they build it, like, in the air. <laughs> I don't think they'd be able to. The one in Hollywood isn't really that great, actually. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's subpar to everything in, in Orlando as well. Yeah. It's, it's, not even, it's not even like how, how Disneyland is compared to Disney World. It, it, it's, 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 it's at a different scale, too. Right. Yeah, so... Go ahead, Micah. No, somebody brought up London, too, and we had posted that article about the mayor of London. Uh, I, I think it was kind of a tongue-in-cheek article that he wrote, but, uh, you know, it, it to me, I, I'm all for creating a park in England somewhere for Harry Potter because I think those fans should have the same opportunity and shouldn't have to spend thousands of dollars to fly across the Atlantic, but I'm just not sure that it would draw the same uh, people uh, not yeah. the same people. That, that's not what I mean. It won't. It won't bring in the revenue that it would over here being a part of Universal Orlando, and I. I just don't know. Well, yeah. It's it's also surrounded by a tourist, you know, area. Exactly. It, it, it's it's right next to Walt Disney World. It's right next to Sea World, and of course Universal Studios. 
Yep, you know, I that, agree. That's a, that's a tourist location that people go to to go on vacation with the family. There just really isn't that that size of a tourist market um, in London. Yeah, I, I I mean, people go to Orlando with the, with the intent to go to Universal, to go to Disney World, to go to you know Sea World, like you said, Matt. So I people go to London, you know, to to look at all different things there as well. But I don't know, and from a a temperature standpoint would that work with the weather the way that it is in england well i mean it does rain a lot in orlando as well i know yeah it's just very hot but i know i i agree i think you're right and when, when i was walking around that park there were a lot of english people there really like from the uk yeah i was actually surprised like authentic and i'm not just talking about fakes? yeah i'm not talking about like the wizards and witches i'm talking about like actual tourists who were there and they they were speaking in their english accents and um they they were yeah. there i mean even internationally people come to orlando from international countries because it is the place to go there's a ton to do in orlando yep and and like I said, so we don't get hate mail. I'm I'm all for creating a park over in England if if that's something that would be realistic. But I you know and and I, I see all the comments. Oh, it's not fair that it's in America. But you know what? I don't know what else to say. Like people forget that although it it is a you know a product of J.K. Rowling, at the same time, a lot of the revenue has been generated here in the in United America. States. In America. Plus, like, um, you know, the park is authentic British. You know, it tries so hard to be authentic British. When you go to London, you know, what what, what is it going to be? It's not going to be like a, an American Harry Potter park. It's going to be like a showcase of what's already in Britain. In the uh, There are so many cobbled streets in London. And, you know, on Charing Cross Road, you can walk all those historical places that are 700 years older than anything in America you know, plus, 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 there's no reason to, to, to do that kind of thing. Cause the Harry Potter books to Americans, I think encompass a lot of that old, you know, great Britain stuff that, that is just, you know, already existent over there in London. So that's about it for the wizarding world. Obviously all of us will be there next month for infinitus 2010. Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. We'll be doing a live muggle cast there. Exciting announcements about that coming soon. Um, you had a couple of uh, visitor reviews here from oh, right. people that's right. on the so, Twitter. Yeah, I asked people on the MuggleNet Twitter to send in their reviews of the park if they had uh, visited already. And uh, I defined 777 said, loved it, especially Forbidden Journey, Ride, and Line. But store restaurant lines were hours long, so couldn't go in any of them. Wow, restaurant hours long. I did. I did not know that. Well, what about uh-huh. the um, What about the butterbeer trolley? Was there a line at the? Oh, <laughs> yeah. So there's the butterbeer trolley right out in in the middle of. Uh, now, can you Hawks get frozen butterbeer too? It was there? actually there, though. I mean, when not they put that aside or something just to reduce all the the traffic? And no, uh, it wasn't too big. I mean, there's plenty of room around it, so it's not like it would cause a traffic jam. But um, yes, Eric, you can get frozen there too. I would have to say, if you're gonna have to pick either frozen or liquid, I would definitely go with the liquid. Frozen's kind of hard to consume. Um, but it's hot. And by the way, the prices—I think it's like five or six bucks with the mug. But then it's two fifty for refills. Now that may, they may ch- uh, for refills in your mug. So it's not a bad deal. I'm gonna bring my mugs back and get that. <laughs> yeah. How many did you bring? Did you bring two? I brought two. Yes. And those were free mugs. So hey, woo! look at that. You're you're actually you're I actually know. making money. Cost effective. Exactly. I wish I brought more. I should have taken more mugs. Should have for, for all of our yeah. listeners. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I really could have. I can't tell you. I can't emphasize enough how many. Like it would be. You know those waiters that walk around with like a tray. And then they hand out hors d'oeuvres. That's what they were doing in the Wizarding World, but it had butterbeer. <laughs> it just would not stop. So what? What were you saying, Matt? Um, what what does the castle look at night? Ah, <gasps> uh, the castle really looks beautiful, and like they use they use um the illusion of perspective to uh to make it look really gigantic. And don't get me wrong, it's big, but you know they really elevated it, so you you have to look up to look at the castle. It looks gorgeous. The VIP grand opening night, they put spotlights on it. You guys may have seen my pictures on MuggleNet. I mean, it it really does look gorgeous. Cool. Um, 
So that's all there's to say about that. So a couple other reviews. Catherine says, I went on Friday. The whole experience was fantastic. Forbidden Journey is the best ride ever, in my humble opinion. Glad I have an annual pass. And finally, Christina says, I went all day yesterday, meaning uh, Monday. We waited two hours to get into the Wizarding World. It was packed, but so accurate and so, so fun. So as you guys can see, there's still some uh, pretty long lines for the Wizarding World, but yeah, that is that is pretty surprising for a Monday. So, I mean, overall, I really think Universal hit it out of the park. This is a Disney-level theme park they created. I mean, the amount of detail in this is incredible. And it's all thanks to J.K. Rowling and the, the film creators and, and Universal. I mean, all around, just an amazing job. So, all right, Michael, what else is going on? All right, well, speaking of the series continuing on, uh, the films are finally finished as far as all of the production side of things is concerned um i'm sure there'll be post-production and all that technical crap but um as far as principal filming it's all done um and that was sort of the other big news that that came out the the last couple weeks since we did episode 200 uh, literally right before the the theme park opened it was uh, back on june 12th that uh, we got word that that was the final day of shooting for deathly hollows and uh rupert brought his ice cream truck for everybody uh you know to get uh i don't know what he serves on the truck but uh you know i thought that was kind of cool we we got some tweets from different actors who were there on the final day i know an interview recently um both Dan and uh, Matt Lewis said that they were headed back for two more days, but it was very small stuff, um, a lot of uh, tech-related um, things that they were working on. Um, but I guess uh, June 12th, cut was called for the final time. Yeah, pretty surprising, and there's a lot of, well, not surprising, but a bit sad. And as many of the cast pointed out at the Wizarding World, it was kind of good timing how filming was ending and at the same time the theme park was opening so it's kind of bittersweet right all the actors kind of freed up yeah so uh it's pretty nice and it's a, it's a perfect way the the theme park is a perfect way for fans to really experience the films you know like in person uh so but back to deathly hollows yeah, i mean that was part of it too i mean they said that uh for hogwarts to finally be real for right. them because it was never created right uh, you know, it was always uh, green screen or, you know, those little sculptures uh, that they made into something real. Um, you know, the rooms, obviously, they w were able to walk through. But, you know, the actual castle itself, to see it, to experience it, they thought that was really cool. I love that picture of the Phelps twins riding the uh, the hippogriff. Is it? Yeah, with Dan Ratcliffe, too. It's a really cute photo. Michael Gammon was there for as much, uh, <laughs> you know what, as we have given him on this show for many, you know many what episodes. but the press uh, in the press conference he he was really into it it was a great interview he was very funny um i think it was exciting well he was the one uh, who said he wanted to go to to olivanders and get a get a wand and i think he actually he did, did get a wand so. and Warwick davis commented that he saw michael get his little wand and it was so cute <laughs> he called it cute did you go to olivanders <laughs> you know what Andrew, i didn't did go to go? olivanders i wanted to wait oh. to do something with you all because that's how much i love you so oh, well that's very uh, nice we'll of all you. go we'll all go in and we'll see who gets chosen that and when we were supposed to go on in our little tour uh i was having a sugar overload and i was ready to collapse i needed and i needed some uh protein so i went to the three three broomsticks and got fish and chips Oh, so the real truth comes out. I mean... Still, it's still sweet. It's, it's still a saint. Butterbeer prevented it. All right, so is that all? That is all for this week. Um, I, I just wanted to comment, Andrew, I forgot to tell you on your footage of, you know, everybody, you know, John Williams conducting. There's this moment when Warwick Davis, who's, who's I guess, conducting the, the Frog Choir, he, he turns around after, I guess, after they've just finished, and he's got this, this smile on his face, this huge oh, yeah. grin. And it is, it's literally the best moment I think I've ever seen on film is him <laughs> grinning so widely yeah, he, there. And you caught that. So I, I just want to say, you know, I, I, when I was watching that, and I didn't, I didn't catch the live feed, gasp shock, but I, I caught it, I caught that video afterwards, and, Honestly, I, like I had to say, like his grin is just otherworldly, yeah. and he's so happy to be there. And well, it's he said at the press conference the next day that he really did enjoy, 
you know, doing that. And it was, it was, uh, he also particularly enjoyed being up on stage with John Williams when the fireworks were going off. And in my pictures, you can see him standing there watching the fireworks. It's really nice. So anyway, that does it for news. Uh, we are going to hold off on starting Goblet of Fire chapter by chapter for a couple more weeks because episode 202 will be our big Deathly Hollows trailer discussion episode. We're, expect- we're expecting the trailer at the end of June, and at that time, I heard a rumor that it's going to be June 28th. Not so sure how that, how, how legit that rumor is, but we do believe it will be out by the end of the month, and we will we'll be doing a trailer episode. Then after that will be our episode from Infinitus, and then after that, we will have our... It's anyone's guess. We will No, we will resume chapter by chapter. So, for this week, we're just going to go through a few emails. We got some great ones that uh, are worth discussing, ranging from book analysis to uh, some other stuff as well. So, uh, Eric, could you read the first one from Aaron? Sure, this is the mailbag segment of MuggleCast. I don't know if it's Muggle supposed cast. to say Muggle... Mailbag! <laughs> Alright, uh, this one comes from Erin, age 17, from Canada. She says, Hey guys, last night I was reading Half-Blood Prince when Ron asked Hermione and Harry if they could just make a vat of Felix Felicis, as it would be pretty handy. Harry looked up the instructions in his potions book and discovered that it needs to brew for six months. I was wondering how Slughorn managed to have a cauldron of it to present to their potions class when he only accepted the position of potions master a month or two before school started up. Did he have a vat of Felix Felicis already? And if so, why would he have it? I only just started listening to MuggleCast. You guys are great. Keep up the good work, Aaron. Do you guys think Slughorn hmm. would have possibly just had, you know, would have been able to get into a stash at well, Hogwarts? He, or? Did he have a vat of Felix Felicis? I thought the vat was of Amortentia and that he only had a vial of Felix Felicis because he was only giving away a vial of Felix Felicis. The vat was of the love potion. The, I, I'm, I'm going strictly by movie here, but if you, rem- I mean, the 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 love potions, what's in the cauldron, and Hermione well, it smells still it. needs to brew for six months, according to what Aaron is saying here. So, regardless of whether it's a vat or a vial, I think it's it, a big it, difference. You can probably to. buy vials of Felix. You know? Well, yeah, no, I mean that's one of the answers you could possibly give to this question. He could have just gone out and bought it. Um, uh, I don't know if it explicitly states in the book that he had created it himself. Right. Have to look that up. Um, but, I mean, one of the reasons why maybe he had some of this stuff was he was on the run from Death Eaters. He didn't, um, you know, feel completely comfortable with what was going on. Yeah. So perhaps he had a little bit of Felix around, you know, just in case. And now that he was safe at Hogwarts, he could give it up? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But, um, I, I, but I do think, I mean, it is, it is stated in the book um, that too much luck is bad. You you just you just start laughing uncontrollably or something when you when you have too much Felix Felicis. Yeah, I don't know if I would want too much. I mean, after seeing Harry in, in the movie, especially, I mean, how happy do I want to get? I would just be depressed after all that happiness. Like, how could I ever be happy again? <laughs> yeah, it be after a while. I think it, it it says in the books. After a while, it just begins to mess with you. Mm-hmm. You start to get addicted. Mm. Micah, could you read the next email? Yeah, next email from Miranda13 of Texas. She says, Dear Mugglecasters, I was listening to some earlier episodes since I'm a very new listener and saw that y'all had pointed out that Hermione was in Gryffindor when she's obviously extremely smart and it seems like she belonged in Ravenclaw. Do you think her being put into Gryffindor is foreshadowing? In most of the books, Hermione is using her brain more than her bravery. For example, she was probably the only student, let alone first year in school, who could have figured out Snape's protection on the Sorcerer's Stone. In Deathly Hollows, however, she helps Harry with the journey, with looking for the Hollows and the Horcruxes, and really shows her bravery and what she'll do to help a friend. She even skips a whole year of school, which any new reader reading the first few books wouldn't believe if you told them. So do you think J.K. Rowling putting her in Gryffindor for bravery instead of Ravenclaw for brains was foreshadowing to the latter books where Hermione, or later books, where Hermione shows her bravery on top of her brain power to help her friends with defeating Voldemort. Sorry this is a tad lengthy, but it just came to mind while I was listening. Love the show, Miranda. I think it could have been possibly that the Sorting Hat just saw what could become of Hermione when she matured. 
Well, she does talk about it. She does say that the Sorting Hat almost put her into Ravenclaw. I forget if she says why it didn't, but at the same time, I think that it's. I think that this is very possible. Um, and 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 also though, uh, you know, I did forget about that Snape's challenge for the Sorcerer's Stone about his logic puzzle, which didn't make it into the movie. Um, but was in the book, and that and that's true. She is smart, and I think her being in Gryffindor, obviously Gryffindor is is the setting of the book, and and so in order to be part of the trio, I think she had to be in the same house as them. But I think I think yeah, I think it does show her underlying you know bravery that 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 you know is 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 called upon in book seven. Next emails from Matt, fifteen of Colorado. Hey guys, I've been recently going through your old episodes where you go through. Deathly Hollows. In your analysis of Deathly Hollows, you played a song in memory of each death in the book, and I was wondering if you could do the same in Goblet of Fire. I know there aren't many deaths, but I thought it would but I thought it would be a good idea. You know, I had forgotten oh, that we did that. Yeah. That was a great that. idea. It, it has to be that one that uh, Robert Pattinson wrote for the for the first Twilight movie where he's playing the piano. That's going to be Cedric's death song so well and in all seriousness what micah tannenbaum if you could assign a song to cedric diggory to recognize his death well he's not the only one that dies in the book i mean come on barney right. crouch no, no, senior but- gets gets like transformed into a bone who who was who frank bryce who was it who was frank- oh yeah hmm. hmm frank bryce the housekeeper groundskeeper so, rather a song so about frank being dies. all lonely perhaps I'm so lonely, don't have nobody to call my own. Woo! But yeah, we should work you on that. Song? We should do that for maybe like the rest of the characters that died in other books as well, because that's a, that's a good one. Yeah, that's that's a good idea. Yeah, maybe we could do it at the end of like the chapter by chapter, or maybe oh, how about like while we do chapter by chapter Goblet of Fire, if somebody dies in a chapter, we can play a song in their honor. Well, that's, that's what we did. That's what we did. Oh, yeah, that's exactly what well, we did. Well, we were brilliant. <laughs> yeah, we were. I thought I, I thought happened. we had did them all at once, but no, no, no. that's okay. That's a good idea. Yeah, so I, I forget. Did we really play a different song yes. every time a different person? Did? Yeah, wow. we did. That was like well, we have two, one coming up three, three years, years ago. ago. Frank Bryce dies in chapter one, doesn't he? So yeah, so we'll do we it. Uh, cracking when that starts. We'll we'll pick out a good song for him. Okay, so Matt, can you read the next email from Bianca? Okay, um, Bianca writes. I would just like to say that I am feeling very hurt right now. Eric made me want to cry when he didn't show his MuggleCast mix on the 200th episode. I waited and waited, and now I don't get to hear it. I am very hurt and will stop subscribing to MuggleCast if Eric doesn't show us the mix. Okay, Whoa. no, I don't Whoa. think anything in the world could stop me from listening to your show. I just wanted to let you know how very disappointed I was with this episode. Though the interview with Heyman was great. Love the show, and Andrew's my fave. Bianca. So, Eric, do you wow. have an update about the MuggleCast mix? I'm sorry that the announcement was was noticeably absent for some people from 200. Um, I did. I'm still working on the MuggleCast mix. Okay, it's still in production. All right, I'm just gonna say that it's it was created, and I I, I did announce on MuggleCast it was being created for the celebration of 200 episodes of MuggleCast, but I did not say that it would be released on episode 200. And that it's a small distinction, but at the same time, I already knew that 200 was gonna be a really long episode. So all that's it, so basically the MuggleCast mix the remix two it's still on its way we will find a time in between the other episodes that we have coming up obviously we got a few very high profile episodes coming up of MuggleCast, and the MuggleCast mix will be slipped in 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 there somewhere so okay. it, it, it is still up and coming um bianca somehow it, it, i think you'll manage until it's released oh she can't hear you she already unsubscribed oh that's right she unsubscribed yeah. <laughs> All right, Micah, can you read the final email today in our MuggleCast mailbag? The last email comes from Helena, or Helena, Sheffield, 17, of Cambridgeshire. And she says, Hi, MuggleCast. You were discussing in episode 199 how the world of Harry Potter will continue after all the films have been released. Obviously, I can't answer that for definite, but I have a Saturday job in my local library in which I naturally take special care over the Harry Potter books. We have at least four copies of each one, including Beetle the Bard, and I have never seen even one of each of those books altogether. I think this is a testament to J.K. Rowling's phenomenal ability to capture young children's imaginations and could suggest that it will be a very long time before Potter dies out. 
I know I'll never get tired of it, and I'm pretty sure that they will last for years and years to come. Anyway, I think you guys are so funny, and I look forward to each episode every week. Keep up the outstanding work. Love, Helena. Thank you, Helena. That's very nice. And I thought that was a great way to sort of get an idea of, you know, new readers, new Harry Potter readers. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's a perfect way to see who's still reading them. Or who just steals them and never returns them to the library. Yeah, I was going to say you have a habitual Harry Potter book thief. Um, but that's that's like you said, it's great insight into into you know to know how many copies they have exactly and how she's never seen them, you know even one copy of that all together. That's very well worded. It gives us a great idea. Helena should uh, put a little sign next to the Harry Potter books and say, "If you want some analysis of the bo- of these books, listen to MuggleCast." Only in a British yep. accent because she's or in an English accent because she's in the UK. Okay, so that does it for the mailbag. We're now going to do a fun segment we haven't done in a while. And this is our debate segment. And I was browsing cosforums.com the other day. And uh, first of all, cosforums.com is an amazing resource for Harry Potter discussion. There's always some great discussion going on over there. It's it's MuggleNet's sister site. Definitely check it out if you want to join in on some discussion. cosforums.com but anyway, they were uh, debating a, a topic that I thought we should debate. Did Ron and Hermione have a happy marriage? Of course they did. Now, what kind of nonsense is how, that? Oh, wait one second, Micah. Wait one second. So here's how we're going to do this. Micah and Matt are arguing, yes, they did have a happy marriage. And Andrew and Eric are arguing, no. We're going to start with uh, a 90-second opening argument from each side. And then we will have, um, let's do 60-second rebuttals. And then we'll put a poll up on MuggleCast.com, and you guys can decide who wins the debate. So uh, since Micah could hardly contain himself, Micah, won't you and Matt start? You have 90 seconds to tell us why uh, Ron and Hermione had a happy marriage. Go ahead. Well, I mean, of course they had a happy marriage. They're they're the centerpiece couple of the series, right? I mean, how could they not go on and, and live happily ever after? They have two great kids, Hugo and Rose. They don't seem like they're much trouble. They're both gainfully employed. Um, they don't have to worry about Voldemort ever coming back. You know, I think they're financially well off, which is something that may have been a little bit of a problem for the Weasleys and most specifically Ron growing up. And they get to experience both the magical world and, and the muggle world because, you know, Hermione has her parents, I'm sure, want to see the grandkids from time to time. So there's no reason to think that things are, are anything less than perfect. Right. And they grew up together. I mean, they definitely have chemistry. They didn't become in a relationship before they knew each other. And they and they were obviously compatible since they were 10 years old. And it didn't seem to change because they had kids together, which shows, you know, they enjoy their company together, if you know what I mean. So, I, 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 so like Micah said, they were completely compatible and they are the centerpiece of the series. Anything else to add? 20 seconds? No. They love each other. That's what the series is about, love. And love your fellow... Lover. Just give us the trophy now. All right. Uh, now, Eric and I will take 90 seconds to tell you all why uh, they do not have a happy marriage. Eric, oh, you want me to start? Okay, here we go. So, there is something that, you know, uh, the, when I read this thread on COS forums, it really struck me because I couldn't believe that I'd never thought about it before. When you consider throughout the Harry Potter book series, when you see how poorly... Ron is treated by Hermione. She is just nothing but brutal towards him because quite often she does not agree with Ron's way of thinking, his way of life, etc. I mean, this poor guy has to deal with Hermione breathing down his throat, his every little move throughout the seven books that we read. I cannot believe that once they got married, things were all suddenly patched up and Ron suddenly did everything right and Hermione... Didn't bother him? Yeah, right. There are problems left and right in this relationship. I'm not surprised we haven't seen them on Dr. Phil or some equivalent in the Wizarding World, some 
television show equivalent. It's nonsense. Go yeah, ahead, Eric. Yeah, they named their kid Hugo. I mean, there's got to be some kind of pain, unhappiness in that marriage, uh, you know, just, just begging to get out. <laughs> Maybe that's not a... Yeah, how can you mutually agree on Hugo? I, I, think, I, think, I think it was a long fight. I think it was a really long fight. And out of spite, one of the two of them was like, well, why not Hugo? And, and she was like, fine. And he was like, fine. And she was like, fine. And he was like, fine. And then they named their kid Hugo. And Hugo has to grow up knowing that he was just one of mommy and daddy's spite fests. All right. Time's up. Uh, Mike and Eric, go ahead. Do a little rebuttal. You have 60 seconds. Go ahead. Mike, Mike and Matt, sorry. Mm-hmm. Matt, do you want to start or do you want me to? You can start. I, I have nothing to say because yeah. none of that made sense what they said. Well, I mean... Uh, whether they had a happy marriage, I don't think you can determine that from their kids' names. I mean, that, well, no, I mean, Andrew said bit. he, she was. I'm sorry, I'm not supposed to interrupt this, but she's. She, no, you, you know, can. He, we, we can open the floor that, here. Why not? He said that Hermione's really controlling, and she wasn't really happy with Ron very often before they were married. So why should we assume that? Even after Lord Voldemort, that 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 their personalities were still meshing. Well, the whole reason why she was treating him like that is because she wanted him to realize that that he actually liked her, and and she she wanted it. That was the bottom line. I mean, let's face it. That's why she was acting that way. Well, and also Ron and Hermione, they both complete each other with their certain characteristics. She she I mean, she's a little controlling because Ron needs some controlling in his life. He definitely needs some person behind his back to tell him, look, this is dangerous what you're doing, or this is reckless. She is a mother, she is nurturing, and she loves Ron because she cares about him. That's why she's so protective. All right, well, uh, to, to rebuke that, I just think that's a very poisonous relationship. When, when <laughs> Hermione is constantly telling Ron what to do and what not to do, she has a very know-it-all I'm perfect, na 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 attitude. And back to the name. Yes, a name can be very reflective about the uh, on the relationship of the couple. I mean, a very happy p- couple could not possibly ever pick a name like Hugo. We're, we're gonna get if so you are many happy, emails. My name is Hugo. If you are happy, I used to listen to the show, but now I am unsubscribing. <laughs> If you are a happy couple and you cuddle in bed at night and you're like, let's name him Hugo, and the other person's like, yeah, let's name him Hugo, yeah. that is bollocks. Yeah. There was a fight. <laughs> but other yeah. than that, in all seriousness, I do think that, you know, the whole name thing aside, I do think, you know, their their relationship throughout the, the book series was a bit reflective of what you could expect later on. I don't mm-hmm. think Ron grew up well, too much. You know, those kind of uh, – his – his way of life was sort of um it's not something you grow out of yeah but you could say the way that that she treated him could have changed once they entered that relationship true you never know i mean that's you know teenagers acting towards each other as opposed to how they would be as adults you don't really know well at what point did they become aside from king's cross i mean after after voldemort during voldemort well, they're married, right? I mean, no. they're they they have kids. They're in their thirties, as as far as we know. And so that that makes them adults, hopefully. All right. Well, that concludes our debate. Feel free to email in and let us know what you think, and we'll yeah, read some of your emails on episode two hundred two. All right, another fun segment this week. What if dot 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 you had Polyjuice Potion? Who would you become in the Wizarding World, and who would you become? In the Muggle world, Ooh. Eric Skull, tell us who who would you become in the Wizarding world and Muggle world if you had Polyjuice oh, potions? Geez. I would become uh, this one's easy, Bill Weasley. <laughs> Why is that? <laughs> to have Fleur as my wife for an hour uh, for an hour that is just that <laughs> is just enough time, man. To have Fleur oh as my, my wife that is awesome. That'd be awesome. So Bill Weasley. And what what <laughs> woman in the uh, or what man would you become in the Muggle world so you can get a Attractive woman. Uh, I don't know. The Muggle world is it's it's less easy. I don't know, man. That's that's I I didn't even see that you had thrown in this little this little addition here. I I need to think. I need to think. Uh, who would I become in the Muggle world? I would be that the hmm. I just don't. I would be the guy. No, no, I wouldn't. I don't know. I just don't know. Oh well, that's a bit oh, of a okay. disappointment. Uh, go ahead, Matt. How about you? Um, in the in the Harry Potter world, or the Wizarding world of Harry Potter, I would probably choose to be McGonagall. 
At least for the, I would just love to have that epicness in my body for at least a short time. <laughs> Wait a minute. Whose epicness would be in your McGonagall body? McGonagall's epicness. I would have to steal some of her essence. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah, you don't want to screw with McGonagall. No. I mean, she would definitely, I mean, I, I, she would have to give it to me willingly because she would kill me if I got anywhere near her. You would, you would have to, you would have to woo. Uh, she you, would transfigure you, me into a piece of hair. You would have to woo McGonagall into giving up her essence to you. You can, can do, that. do that. And you definitely can do that. And how about in the Muggle world? Mm, oh, Lady Gaga. Huh. So in both situations, you would turn into a woman. That's right. I'm a feminist. Who's Lady Gaga say? dating? <laughs> I think I would probably, uh, yeah, hit that in the, in the Muggle world. <laughs> I don't know. Lady, she doesn't need uh, to date anybody. She's I'd be, Lady okay. Gaga. I'd be one of the background males who like has to like fawn over her in the in the in the video because then I the I fawn over her now, but at least then I'd be like ten feet from her. So now, Micah, how about you? Well, I think there there are some obvious choices here that people are going to go for. Um, one would probably be Aberforth. Uh, <laughs> two would probably be uh, Rudolphus Lestrange. Um, huh. give, seeing how much time I pay talking about uh, Bellatrix, but I'd go with Arthur Weasley. Yeah, Arthur Weasley. You'd be a I like okay, you know, just a cool guy. Uh, cool guy. And how about yeah. in the Muggle world? Craig Ferguson. <laughs> oh. Yeah, you like him, I know. Uh, Who also well, has a very attractive wife. <laughs> but yeah, well, no, he's very funny. For what me, about you, Andrew? Well, in the wizarding world, I would have to say, I would, you know, I would like to be someone in the ministry because I am very fascinated by how the ministry works. So uh, I think it'd be fun to be a minister of magic for a day, especially during the crazy time. So I wouldn't mind being fudge for a day, I would say. And, uh, you know, I would like to see how effed up things were and, and the, the little tricks he were pulling pulling behind the scenes and, you know, what his mindset was like, uh, you know, around, around you know, his tenure. Um, and as for the muggle world, you know, I wish I could be a rock star. I wish I could be Bruce Springsteen, I guess. So, but hopefully I wouldn't... Uh, transform, you know, mid-concert or something. Transform back mid-concert. Because <laughs> that would be bad. You just so, want to look at yourself in the mirror if you turn into Bruce Springsteen And all say, day long. I was born to run. Okay, so, well, that's how we play What If. And, uh, you know, we've done that before in different styles, but that was sort of like a different one where it involves us. Now it's time for Chicken Soup. And I'll read this one. It's from Kamali. It's from Kimali19 of Lakeland, Florida. Hey guys, it's been a hectic week with the Wizarding World of Harry Potter grand opening going on, but I wanted to let you know about my chicken soup moment between it all. On Wednesday, June 16th, me and my friend Tabitha knew the celebrity grand opening at the park was going on, and we decided to go and maybe catch a glimpse of the stars. We arrived at the gates of the Islands of Adventure at 8.30pm, and we're told we could go no further. We decided to wait because to leave the park, the guests had to go by the entrance. Around 12 p.m., we saw someone come out, and he seemed so familiar, but we were shy to say... 12 a.m., she means. But we were so shy to say anything to him. We made eye contact, and then he kept on walking. We later discovered that it was Chris Columbus, and we could not believe that we didn't stop him when he had the chance. When we had the chance. Morale was low, but we decided to keep waiting for a bit longer, and we were glad we did. We saw someone else come out, and again, he seemed familiar, but we were hesitant to bother him. I decided to take one for the team and shouted, Excuse me, sir! What is your name? When he turned around and said, Andrew, we were in shock. <laughs> I have been a listener of MuggleCast for a while, and I recognized his voice immediately. It was you, Andrew Sims. I just wanted to say thank you for stopping and taking a picture with us because you definitely made all our waiting worthwhile. So, um, yeah, I met, there was a bunch of girls out there, uh, not just these two, but, uh, many. And, uh, we talked and I told them how cool the grand opening was and, uh, showed them my forbidden journey picture and took a couple pictures. It was, it was a lot of fun. So shout out to Tabitha and Kamali. Sorry, hopefully I'm pronouncing your names right. And uh, to everyone else who was there, it was very cool uh, meeting you all. So there's a little w Wizarding World chicken soup. And uh, I can't wait for Infinitus, too, to be with, you know, the MuggleCast listeners inside the theme park. It's going to be insane. It's going to be great. J j just the whole feeling of everybody who's, like, a fanatic of Harry Potter is all together in the world of Harry Potter. Right. And uh, also, a uh, birthday shout-out to Amy. Her birthday's on July 1st, and her friend Ashley, uh, they're both in Knoxville, wanted us to... Uh, Shout out. So happy birthday. Happy birthday to Amy. 
And a couple announcements before we wrap up the show today. Don't forget, we're going to be at infinitus2010.org. It's going to be at that theme park we've been talking about practically this entire episode. Visit infinitus2010.org for information. We're going to be doing a live MuggleCast there, and we're going to have exciting news about our podcast, hopefully very soon. We're sorry we will for the be delay. doing a podcast. We will be doing a podcast. We have some exciting details to announce, but we're still waiting for approval. So that's that's why there's a little hold up on more details. And uh, like I said earlier in the show, we expect the first Deathly Hollows trailer to come out for part one to come out at the end of June. I heard a rumor the 28th. I would say at the latest, the 30th, uh, obviously, because that's the last day of the month. So keep an eye on MuggleNet. We'll obviously post the trailer there, and we'll also do a live trailer episode on Ustream, talking about talking all about the trailer, and we'll post a date and time for that as well on MuggleNet.com. And Micah, when does the Lego Harry Potter game come out? It comes out June the 29th Heck here in the United yes, States. It does. So we'll do a review of that as well, the live shows after the release of the game. Don't forget to visit MuggleCast.com for all the information you need about this podcast that we do every other week. You can uh, subscribe and review us on iTunes, which we really appreciate. You can follow us on Twitter, and you can like us on Facebook. We also have links there, so you can vote for us on Podcast Alley, visit our Frapper map, uh, visit our Last FM page, subscribe to our RSS feed, and much, much more. Also use the site to email us. Just click on contact at the top of the site. Thanks everyone for listening. I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Eric Skull. I'm Mike Tannenbaum. And I'm Matthew Britton. See you next time for episode 202. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. That was good. 202.